is Matt Perkins with Business to Business Logistics, and you are now listening to Truck and Hustle. What's up, y'all? This is Ramel Watley, and welcome to Truck and Hustle, the podcast for trucking entrepreneurs. If you want to learn about the trucking industry from the business side of things, you're in the right place. Every week, I interview the people who are making it happen on a daily basis. I get them to share their successes, their failures, and sometimes even their secrets. The goal is to show you how you too can create financial freedom in the booming trucking industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Are you doing a million dollars? Are you doing two million dollars? Usually, I kind of, uh, I, I said a joke to my VP of agent operations. I don't know how necessarily dirty I can get. But <laughs> get as dirty as you want, man. All right, all right, so here we go. Dirty's so, podcast out. All right, sweet. So here we go. So the story goes, I, I feel, you know, kind of like how men and women talk about their, their partners. And how many, right? When we talk about the quantity of partners, men usually embellish, women underestimate. Mm. So same thing goes for sales reps. <laughs> okay. Let's be honest. If they tell me that they do $2 million in sales, they're probably doing $1.5. There you go. <laughs> Turn my mic up. For you. Take this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the road to the riches. Life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. All right, Hustle Fam, Hustle Fam, we are back with another amazing episode. And today, if you want to be a freight broker, a freight agent, or anything in freight, this is an episode that you want to listen to. I have my man, Matt Perkins, from Business to Business, a.k.a. BTB Logistics with me here in the business. What's up, sir? Not too much, my friend. How you doing? So so we've been trying to make this happen for a little while. Just a f- couple days. <laughs> a couple of days, but really like about a year or so. Yeah, like pretty when, much. When we first connected. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, and now we're here. We are here. Glad glad to have you here. So just to kind of, you know, put some contacts around the story. So Matt owns B2B brokerage, yep. uh, freight brokerage. Uh, we connected via the Hudson's. Yep. The Hudson. Truck and Hustle family. They talked about their story about becoming freight agents and having a company backing them that gave them the support to expand their business. And guess what company that was? This this man right here. So uh, we're going to talk about everything, man. I want to really talk about, you know, becoming a freight broker, the, the industry now, what's going on, you know, what people could look for, how the industry's changed, all that kind of good stuff. And I think you're the perfect person to talk about. Yeah, it. It. Is there anything I can't ask you, Matt? No. Oh, sky's the limit. I, I love that. I love sky's the limit. I love that. I love that. All right. So listen, let's get into the backstory. First, we have to understand how this all happened, man. And, and give us some context, like B2B. What, what's the size of your business now? Just talk about that real quick. Sure thing. So B2B is, we got two models, right? We've got the employment model, the W-2 commonly referred to. And then we have the agent model. Um, I don't call it the 1099 anymore because taxation wise, if you're incorporated properly, I don't send you 1099. But in any event, the total company is 60 million plus in sales. It comprises of about 19 employees, including ownership. I'm I'm a co-founder, so there's me and my partner Matt Peckham. So that gets really interesting. Two Matt P's. Okay. But uh, then the agent program, and the agent program has about 15 agents right about now, and they're all various sizes. So you've got you know the guy that's just working at home, and you've got the Hudsons working their deal with the sub agent program, and then I've got a whole another agent out in Montana who's got a company the size of mine at this point. Got it. All right. So we have two different models. Yep. We have the employee model, which is directly working with, uh, working for business to business. Yep. Right. Those guys are 
finding freight and everything under you guys. And then you have the agency model. Why two models? So I grew up, my, my come ups were in the employee model. So I learned how to be a freight broker in an employee model. Uh, it was a spinoff of American Backhaulers, which is really old school. American Backhaulers? American Backhaulers. Okay. The, what is commonly referred to as the original mega broker, mm. So, which is now C.H. Robinson. I was going to say, which is yep, yeah, C.H. Robinson. C.H. Robinson bought them out many moons ago. Okay. So a couple of the guys spun out. They started a freight brokerage. I was their first employee. What year was this? 2001. 2001, yeah, 20, yeah, so 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a little old. I'm, you know, <laughs> I've been doing this for a minute. Yeah, yeah. For a minute. A yeah. little minute. And uh, so it's really interesting. I was just telling a story today at the Hudson event, actually, the truck entrepreneur. It was- Shout five, to the Hudsons, by yeah, the way. Yeah, indeed. And uh, it was five chiefs and one Indian. So it's quite interesting to learn the freight brokerage from five different personalities of ownership. Mm. That brokerage still exists today, but there's only two owners. Okay. <laughs> so things happen. Uh, I, I spun out, but at the same time I got Brett, I, I got brought back into brokerage with one of the other owners and did my thing over there. So all my upbringing was employee model. Okay. So it was just natural when we started the freight brokerage, we did the employee model. What happened and how I found the whole agent model was that I was given two sales reps. I called the headhunter. I said, I need a sales rep. She said, okay, I got these two sales reps. I got a million-dollar sales rep and a $2 million sales rep. And I still wasn't smart enough to understand cash flow. Okay. And I'm thinking, man, $2 million, that's, that's going to be a lot of dough for this size company. And we can't handle $2 million. So I interviewed the $1 million salesperson, liked her enough, said, come on board. Skipped out and even interviewing a $2 million sales rep. Well... One, the $1 million sales rep didn't work out. It was ugly. Okay. And that's a whole nother story. Okay. But then I went back to the $2 million sales rep. I said, hey, where's this guy? And she was told, or he told her, hey, I'm, I'm an agent now. I said, what is this agent? I need to figure this out. So I talked to him. We worked out a deal. He came on as an agent instead. And then it okay. just kind of blossomed from there. Makes sense. So when, when you say, just so I'm clear, when you say a $1 million sales rep and a $2 million, what, what, is that, what does that million dollar figure represent? So gross sales. Okay. Top line sales, not Private, profit. Previous to coming on with you. Yeah. That's what, they, that's what they were doing. That's their run rate. That's what I can probably count on from a yearly gross sale income level. Got it. So when somebody says they're a million dollar or a $2 million sales rep, they're showing you like their book of business, yeah. who they've worked with previously. They have to kind of prove this to you, right? Or show it to you in some kind of way. Yeah. Within, re you know, everyone wants to see the proof. So we look at the proof to see, okay, are you doing a million dollars? Are you doing $2 million? Usually I kind of, uh, I, I said a joke to my VP of agent operations. I don't know how necessarily dirty I can get, but. <laughs> get as dirty as you want, man. All right. All right. So here we go. Dirty's so, podcast out. All right. Sweet. So here we go. So the story goes, I, I feel, you know, kind of like how men and women talk about their, their partners and how many, right? We talk about the quantity of partners. Men usually embellish. Women underestimate. Mm. <laughs> so same thing goes for sales reps. <laughs> okay. Let's be honest. If they tell me that they do two million in sales, they're probably doing one point five. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Exactly. So, no, I got it. I got it. But uh, but yeah. So that's. I mean, that's what we can count on. That's we we look at it. We look at the paperwork. If it looks like it makes sense, we kind of know day one. Okay. I mean, if you're bringing over the credit apps day one, it's going to happen. If you tell me you're you're doing three million in sales. You're, you're going to be moving freight day one. If you're it. moving freight, you know, month one, you're probably not $3 million. Okay. So on, on the reverse side of that, why does a $1 or $2 million sales rep come to you? What makes you better than anybody else? If they can 
if, if they can move that amount of freight and they have that kind of value built in, why would they go to, go to you as opposed to somebody else? So, I mean, great question. There's a lot of brokers out there that have agent programs these days. They, it's really gained popularity. For every one broker that might cut out the program, there's probably two, three more that want to add it in. So, number one is tenure. So, being in a business for 20 plus years, I've got a good foothold on the industry. Being a business owner for 12 years, I've got a great credit rating. So, I've got the credit. I've got the cash flow because I am bankrolling these these sales reps. And there's always going to be complaints with these smaller brokerages that bring on this million, $2 million, and they try to grow too fast, you know, too quick or too big too quick. And they're bringing on five, $10 million brokers, and they can't support that kind of cash flow. I can. Mm. So that's that's reason number one. Reason number two, reason number two is probably the largest reason, and it pretty much seals the deal every time is our receivables are insured. So that's something I've talked about before, and it's something a lot of people don't understand. So I'll walk, I'll walk everybody through it because it's super for sure. important for anybody that deals with getting paid after services rendered. This is what you need because I learned the hard way. You can, hire, you can get an insurance policy through an insurance company that will insure your receivables. So they look at you as a company, and then they look at the customers as a customer. And they say, what's the value of this customer? What's their credit look like? How much money do you want to extend to them? So I'll go to them and say, hey, ABC Plastics, I want to get $50,000 of credit. And they look at their credit and say, yeah, sure thing. So here's what happens. I have $50,000 worth of credit. ABC Plastic goes bankrupt. Mm. They didn't, And I ran up the tab, and I've got $50,000 owed back to BTB. Right. What will happen in this case is I just turn over the policy to the insurance company. I say, ABC Plastics went bankrupt. I need $50,000. And they cut me a check for 90%. Mm. So now I don't have to go and chase bankruptcy court. And they will. They're a worldwide company. So they know how to find their money. They'll go dig on, digging up the assets of ABC Plastics. They go, you know, they go behind the scenes and do their thing. And maybe they get the money back. Right. If they do, then I get some more of it back. But it's peace of mind because when we're talking about the agent program specifically, agents get charged back for bad debt. Mm, they do. So if, yeah. If you're an agent okay. and you're over here with ABC Plastics for $50,000 and they go bankrupt. It's on you. It's on you. So with me, we're only having a 10% discussion. <laughs> so <laughs> right. you know, I, I, I pretty much ask the agent, okay, so if your customer goes belly up for $50,000, do you want to have a $50,000 talk with your agent owner or do you want to have a $5,000 talk with the agent owner? Yeah. They're like, oh, I like that $5,000 talk. That, that sounds extremely important. Ha has that ever happened? Yeah. Oh, oh but the, the policy? No, no. The Yeah. Like a company going yeah. belly up and you having to yeah. handle something like that. I could tell you the before and after of receivable insurance. So here, sure. here's a fun one. I mean, here's a life lesson for those that want to get into business. We had a customer and we had zero idea how to establish credit lines. We just said, hey, Whatever. Let's go. Let's make some money. We're, we're in our third year of operation. Got it. So we're moving mulch, mulch, rocks, anything landscaping material wise. And loads are coming in hot and heavy. We're moving, you know, 20, 30 loads a day because it's spring, right? It's, it's growing season. It's planting season. And at one point, you know, I wasn't keeping tabs on it because it wasn't my customer. So I was over here doing this other customer stuff. And my partner was looking at the carrier side of things because he just sees all these loads moving. Right. He's happy. Yeah. So. I looked at it one day. I'm like, I looked at a receivables report. I'm like, oh, bro, this, this guy's always like 300. He hasn't paid. And he's like, yeah. He's like, what should we do? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, we got like 50 more loads today to move. I'm like, 
I, I, I don't know. Like, they got to be good for it, right? They've been around for a minute. So he's like, I guess we're in it. So let's go. So we just hit the gas and started going. But we started asking and checks slowly started coming in. They're giving us excuses. Hey, we pay in like 90 days because Lowe's and Home Depot pays in 90 days. You know, retail tends to pay late. Yeah. And they don't have the cash flow because they have so much expense up front from getting everything harvested and bagged and prepared and shipped. Well, they kept saying, oh, this money's coming, money's coming. We're like, okay. Well, we're up to 400 now. Three, 389, I think, to be exact. Well, we started to sick a lawyer after them. We're like, hey, we got to stop moving freight. Like, this is getting ugly. Right. Well, then all of a sudden, they, they said, hey, we're bankrupt. We are here live at OTR Solutions HQ. I'm here with my partner, Jonathan. Man, listen, factoring is an integral part of the transportation industry. Why is factoring important? Absolutely, Ramel. In this economy, in this market, cash flow is king. Cash flow is the key to growth. If you have a young trucking company or if you've been in the industry for years and you want to take that business to the next level, we're absolutely a company that can help. So I hope you'll give us a call today. Let us know what we can do to help you out. Get the rest and roll with the best. Let's go. Mm. And man, my heart stopped that day. It was, you know, $400,000 and you know, the expense of the trucks. So we weren't going to get $400,000. We did owe about a quarter million dollars to the trucks and the trucks aren't going to, you know, and rightfully so, they're not going to say, ah, oh, we get it. Don't worry about it. You right. know, like you don't need to pay us. They all want to be paid. For sure. We So we had to cut out $250,000 out of money we didn't have. Oh, wow. And uh, so we got a phone call shortly after the public filing of the bankruptcy. And this guy on the other line says, hey, you know, I saw, I saw you're part of the uh, bankruptcy of, uh, well, I can say the company now, it doesn't matter, but Country Stone. And uh, we said, yeah. He goes, and you're up there, aren't you? We're like, yeah, we're top 10, baby. <laughs> he goes, yeah, do you see, um, you see Coyote on the list? We're like, yeah, they're, they're in it too. For the, they're in it for 600. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and this is all public record, so yeah, I can, yeah, I can, I, say, I got you I can say anything. For sure. Um, he goes, yeah, I wrote them a check for 90% of that. And I said, yeah, so when can you come in? <laughs> who, 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 who are you? When can, we, when can we talk? Right, sold. Just like, I mean, this stuff sells itself. So, um, so that's, that's, pre, that's pre-insurance policy. That's a life lesson right there. Post, you know, sadly, we haven't had to do it too much. We've had a few little things here and there. Uh, we had one customer that we've actually filed on, and the customer was paying it all the way through the I think the end, finally, like six years later, they went BK. So they might have owed another grand or two. But that was it. We've never had to exercise this policy ever since doing it. But it gives us a peace of mind to hit the gas. Right. right? Because now I'm not guessing on my customer's credit. I'm not paying money for these credit reports that are will tell me information. They're valuable, but there's no financial backing. You know, these, 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 other, these credit reporting companies aren't going to put their wallet on the table and say, Matt, we like this. Go. Yeah. We'll yeah. give you a hundred grand. My insurance company, I got a customer insured for two million dollars. Right. They go bankrupt for two million dollars. And it gets used. The credit line gets used. And if they go bankrupt, okay. Hmm. Like I get 90% of it. So it's while we haven't used it and we pay handsomely for it, it gives us that peace of mind. You know, it's an unbiased thing. We don't sit there and guess. If they don't get credit, we don't we don't go past the credit line. 
Got it. Got it. Okay. Two very good reasons why somebody would choose to be with you guys. I'd like to think so. Right. So, so let's go back a little bit. You started building your business in 2000. You said you spun out in 2000, right? Yep. What is the, the landscape like, you know, now compared to then and starting a freight brokerage for somebody who's just interested in this world, watching this video or becoming a freight agent? What, what has changed in the landscape? What, what's what, you know, regulatory wise, what are some of the differences that kind of stand out to you? You know, regulatory wise, as far as the broker, the only massive change that has taken place is the bond. You know, back in 2000, it's a $10,000 bond. Today, it's $75,000. Some companies might require more. Uh, Some, you know, no one's going to require less. That's a minimum 75 grand. What I have noticed definitely is many more customers and shippers are doing contracts. So you have to sign contracts and they want you to carry insurances. So because we are non-asset, we can't carry cargo and auto liability, but we carry contingent cargo contingent auto liability. Those policies are a backup plan. Should the carrier's policy fail, our policy should prevail and help satisfy a claim if something gets really ugly. Mm. Those policies aren't cheap. I I can imagine. They're based on sales. I dropped a hundred grand on a policy that, uh, and I'll I'll give a warning to everybody, they really don't hold a lot of water. I mean, that's a sad thing. A lot of shippers and customers don't realize these insurance policies. They're not worth the paper that they're printed on. No, but they ask for them anyways. I mean, customers and shippers ask for a lot of things under contracts these days that are unique and they're they're odd. Why? What's what's happening for that change to, to take place? Well, one, I think a lawyer's gotten in their ears. So that, that's, you know, that's the easy take. But, you know, weird things have happened. I can give you a real world example yeah. that happened just after I quit being a customer. Because I used to be a customer. I was the guy that all the brokers called. Okay. So we had a warehouse. It had what was called interior docks. So there's two double wide doors on the front and then four actual docks on the inside. And a P&D driver with the common carriers could fit their entire truck in there. So in the winter in Illinois... They could pull in, they could close the exterior doors, and now the warehouse isn't freezing from having those doors open because the interior doors are open. Truck driver comes in as a brokered load. Truck driver comes in, gets loaded late, pulls out. They close the double doors, security, because they're ready to close up shop for the night. This guy pops the clutch, does something. I don't know how to drive a truck. So uh, (laughs) I know stick shift on a car, not a truck. Sounds good. Yeah, it sounds right. Pops the clutch. Yeah, we'll go with it. Yeah, let's roll. (laughs) And the truck rolls backwards into this dock door. Keeping in mind, it's a double wide door. Bangs it onto his trailer. It hooks itself on the trailer because he's bent the aluminum in such a way. Peels off, rips the door off the hinges. Everything. Starts going down the road. (laughs) Cops start following him. He goes into an apartment complex and starts banging the trailer and the door against cars in the parking lot of the apartment <laughs> complex to get the door off. <laughs> to get the door off? This is, I can't even make this up. What the Grand Theft Auto is yes, going on here? Yes. Gets Jeez. pulled out, finds out this dude doesn't even have a CDL. Of course he doesn't. Why would he have a CDL? Why why would he, right? He's the (laughs) owner operator's cousin. I forgot because I wasn't employed there anymore, but I heard about it. Owner operator's cousin, brother, somebody. Owner operator was sick. And he's like, man, I need that money. (laughs) So he said said it to B squad. (laughs) The B team. Tore it up. He said, you're on. Yeah. You're going to get your shot tonight. 
Yeah. So what happened was the broker, unfortunately, didn't honor anything. I mean, it was literally this broker was in with this customer. And this was not the broker I ended up working for. Um, I went with another broker I had brought in. But this was the company where I learned how what a freight broker was. This broker was there for a decade plus. I think mm. the repair bill was like three grand. And they wouldn't foot the bill. They said, wow. we're a broker. We're not, we don't need to do this. We're not going to do it. I thought that was the dumbest move because brokers got kicked out at that point. And then the indemnity clauses started showing up and a, an agreement started showing up. And it's all, it's just escalated from there. Every shipper just keeps on ratcheting it up. So why has it happened? It's because people have been burned by a broker. Mm. People have been burnt by the brokers. Yeah. You the, got the bad ones. The bad brokers. The bad ones. Let me, let me, let me, caveat. Say, the you, bad some, ones. Some brokers get a bad rap. Yeah. Right? So, so, you know, so, uh, brokers get a bad rap overall. There's some bad actors, but. What, what is a bad actor broker? Well, to you. I, I mean, the easy one is a double brokers. I mean. What is that? So, for people who don't understand. Yeah, double brokers. Holy cow. Um, so, double broker, we'll, we'll do the scenario. I'm, I'm BTB. Yep. You're going to call me and tell me you're a trucking company, right? Okay. That's what you're going to tell me. So what's going to happen is I'm going to give you the load. You're going to maybe haggle a little for the money, but you're not too picky on it. You're going to take it. And then you're going to call somebody else and actually give it to a true, genuine asset. But now you are going to represent yourself as a broker. You've hijacked someone's MC number. You, you make it look legit enough. And then that, that asset is going to take the freight and they're going to move the freight and they're going to get a rate that it might be market rate, generally might be a little higher than market rate. So they're happy. You're happy. You're never going to pay them. <laughs> and then when it delivers, you're going to grab that POD. You're going to bring it to me and say, hey, Matt, I need quick pay. <laughs> okay. And then I get the POD. I'm like, looks good. Here's your quick pay. Right. And boom, you're gone. So then two months later, this guy's wondering where his money's at. And he starts calling you and you're nowhere because that's a burner phone number anyways or a Skype, right? It's gone. And so then they start going to the bill lading. And they're looking for somebody. And a truck, an asset operation, has an absolute legal ability to sue and get paid. The trucker needs to get paid. It's it's, it's almost a, the slang term of the law that allows them to do this. So they'll call the customer. And then the customer's like, wait a minute. We gave that to BTB. Right. And then they call me and say, hey, I got a guy looking for money. I'm like, who's looking for money? Oh, ABC Trucks. I'm like, damn it. I, I gave it to XYZ Trucks. So I'm like, here we go. So. Right. Fortunately, there's a lot of stuff out there to prevent this from happening. I mean, I can count on probably one hand, you know, the out of the 160,000 loads that this company's moved, how many times we've been burned. And I can actually tell you that of the five, you know, double broker scenarios, I've recovered the freight. I've, I caught two of them in the act, mm. you know, just by listening. And I caught one and headed off. And then this other one, crazy story, I ended up successfully getting a trailer impounded by the Kentucky State Police. Oh, wow. Yeah. People, brokers out there, they, 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 anyone listening can, can uh, commi commiserate with me with regards to trying to call the cops when someone's hijacked your load <laughs> and the cops doing nothing, right? They want nothing to do with your hijack load. They don't care. Right. I actually had found a state trooper that cared and found the trailer. He was like a Rambo or something like that. He probably yeah. had like some personal, you know, something, something, something struck a nerve. Yeah. So, you know what it was? The, the carrier that, uh, high, that boosted some other assets. MC number was like this little old lady. She ran like three trucks in small town, Kentucky. She, I talked to her personally. She was like 70. So this, this uh, state trooper took sympathy on her that she was a victim of some identity. It's, you know, identity uh, yeah. fraud at the end of the day. And so he found the truck. I don't know how he found it either. I kind of steered him in a direction. Yeah. I don't know how I even got the, that direction. But 
Yeah, truck got impounded. It was awesome. It was such an experience. <laughs> Loved it. Uh, so, 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 how how illegal is double brokering? It was very, very right? illegal, right? Punishable by what? <sighs> well, you first got to get caught, right? So let, let's because be, it still still happens. Yeah, it, so, it happens all the time. It's out in California. Glendale specifically is a huge hub. I mean, you read about it in all the trade rags, and you see about it when you're on uh, Carrier Four One One looking at freight guards. I mean, you just see it left and right, right? Um, it's it's punishable technically by ten thousand dollars per infraction. You know that is a double brokering. Let's say we're both brokers, and let's say I give you a load because I am having a hard time covering, and I give it to you. If I if we don't have a co broker agreement, we're double brokering. That's illegal too. We could be both two legit brokerages. We're just helping each other out. That's still illegal. Mm. Punishable by ten thousand dollars. If you're an asset operation without a broker MC number, and you give freight to another carrier, another broker, double broker. That's double broker. You don't have an MC number. So people have to, there's a fine line with what some people do. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are actually technically operating illegally. Right. But I guess they feel as though it, it's worth it to keep on giving it a shot until they get caught. Like the the, 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 the penalty for the crime is not you're going to go to jail yeah. or anything like that. No. It's like, hey, we get caught, we get caught. At least we made some money. The, the genuine illegal guys just won't get caught. The innocent, the innocent people that just don't know any better. Because I had a customer and one day I'm like, you know, you're actually a broker, but you're doing it illegally. You should be an agent under me. And she's like, no, no, we're fine. <laughs> she was just too small to care. Right. You know, because she she's moving freight for, she's basically moving freight for her husband's company, but there was no affiliation. You know, there's no like piercing the veil or anything. It was just her running this company, him running this company and her moving to freight. Yeah. Yeah. It's illegal. They needed to give the freight out. Got it. So. Okay. So, so double brokering, we got that one covered. What else makes a bad actor broker? There's a lot of people that talk about brokers are making all the money. Uh, yeah, yeah, I wish. D- dispel, dispel that rumor yeah, for us. Yeah, well, it's not happening. <laughs> Next question. No, I mean, let, let's be let's be serious. Uh, brokers provide a necessary service, right? If you're if you're Schneider, right, with thousands of trucks and thousands of trailers. There, there's going to be times now, of course, this market is not that market, but there are markets that exist where they'll send 60 trucks into a market and have 50 loads. Well, they need some help. And, you know, their sales guys are like, hey, our, our customer well is dry. Well, maybe I've got that one customer with a load. So now they're going to give me a deal, right? Broker value in a broker. What if you're a 10 truck operation and you're running your trucks all out of Chicago, but you don't have a sales team? Right. Like you've got the owner who's got some friends that have freight. So that's how your outbound freight operates. But your return freight is non-existent. You need a broker. So what makes so is a broker making too much money? Yeah, there's you're going to always hear those stories where the, the young, stupid brokers are sitting there bragging about, oh, I just, you know, made 400 bucks off. You I mean, made 500 bucks. And they treat it like a game. But you got to treat it like a relationship. You know, we're not looking to make four or 500 bucks. You know, we're making, we're looking to have that truck haul freight for us again. So we're looking to take care of him or her, get the truck loaded with some good freight, get back to home base, do their thing, end up back in the same place so we can get them back home. Mm. The, the, the true story is a broker's making 12 to 15%. You know, at the end of the day, those are the typical margins. And at the end of the day, we do have expenses. It's not like we're sitting in our basement, you know, in our shorts with nothing, <laughs> you know, like come to my office. I mean, I, my views aren't as spectacular as this, but, uh, you know, I got downtown views out of, I got two offices. I've yeah. got employees. I've got 401ks. I got health insurance. I've got computers and programs that help find trucks 
and help connect the trucks to our freight. So, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, we got to make some profit just the same. For sure. Well, moment of truth here. When you were coming up in the game, is it, it were, was there anybody who said, hey, man, if you get a little bit on the top, get it? What, was there any type of training that was geared towards that like type of mindset? No. When, as you came up, it was always like, let's be fair. Yeah. Let, let's let's protect this relationship. Let's look at the longevity. Yeah. It's always been the way. Oh, 100%. Okay. I mean, so I, I got uh, my first taste at relationships with carriers was I was moving ice mountain bottled water out of uh, Bridingsville, Pennsylvania to Chicago, Midwest, uh, all that good stuff. And I had the same carriers just talking to me. I'd hang out with them. I'd go to their warehouse, hang on the trucks, go have lunch, you know, like those are relationships. That's what you want to achieve because when the loads come, I just made one phone call. You know, I called my dude, Sebastian. I'm like, bro, I got six loads. He's like, I got six trucks. I'm like, okay. (laughs) You know, like I would take that relationship all day long over, can I, can I, you know, juice this guy for another 50 bucks a load, you know, cause he's going to be like, come on, man. Like I'm already taking Pennsylvania freight for 80 cents a mile, you know, cause that's what, no, what am I talking about? It's 60 cents back when I started. I'm a, I'm a dinosaur, you know? <laughs> so it was like 60 cents a mile, you know, and that's their own doing. He said, I want to lock in. I want to be the first call. I'm like, okay. He's like, what does it take? I'm like, I don't know. It takes like this right now to be first call. He's like, okay. You know, but I, I didn't set it out as a mission to just screw them over. Got it. How do you build those relationships with your with your customers? With customers? With, with cus- well, customers and carriers. So let's talk kind of both sides, right? How do you build those relationships with, cu- with customers? Start there. So let's start with customers. Yeah. So one, I think it's very helpful to find a niche that you are going to operate in. So one of my strongest commodities that I know about are empty plastic totes. They're called IBCs. And in that game, there's a return program, there's a fulfillment program, there's manufacturing. And I, you know, I know all the buzzwords. I know the terms I'd like to use. I know who the players are. So when I can, you know, maybe name drop or at least commodity drop and start talking about ball valves and cages right. and regrind. Right. They, they so know they know that. you talk the talking. They know, know the I've language. been there. Yeah. I'm not calling them because their name came up in a list I bought. Their name came up because it's a targeted search. I'm dealing with IBC companies. I want to deal with that company now. So, you know, taking care of them, communicating with them, you know, offer them a service. Because at the end of the day, us brokers, we are a service provider. You know, as an owner, I'm a bank, right? Because customers want to pay me in 45 days and trucks want 20. So I'm a bank. But a freight broker is a service provider. It's customer service. That's all it is. Real quick, stop right there. Yep. How how intentional was it finding that niche? When you found that niche that you're speaking of yep. right now, did you intentionally say, you know what? I'm looking for a niche. Here it is. Or did you just stumble upon that and just decide to go deeper down the rabbit hole? Talk about that. So I'll be honest. It, it, I just, I got handed this niche. Okay. So when I was at my first brokerage, this one customer was blown up pretty big. She had a lot of freight. And my mentor, who I still talk to today, actually, uh, is like, why don't you manage this account? And I learned some hard lessons on that account because one time I let a load go Un, not undocumented. I didn't tell a customer, hey, you want this load picked up at six in the morning? It's not covered. We start at seven. Like it's not, it's not going to pick up at six. So right. at seven o'clock, I had a very pissed off customer. I learned a hard lesson because I got that customer taken away from me mm. over that. She was, she was pissed. I could imagine. Yeah. It was bad. So, <laughs> so I fell into that niche, right? But I just stayed with it. And when I worked for another company, not a brokerage, they had an account that was an IBC account. So then when I left that account, when I left that company, it went back to brokerage. I went back and resolicited my old employer. I didn't burn that bridge. 
And I went specifically for that IBC account and okay. I just became an expert at it. And then I did what I, I didn't invent the word. I didn't write the book about it, but it's called the spider web sale. Okay. I, I coined the term before I knew that it was already kind of out there. This sounds interesting already. What is the spider web sale? Yeah. All right. So my life, the BTB, I've actually done like flow charts to it can be attributed to like five events in my life. That's it. And that now here we are $60 million later. It's where you have a customer or you have an event and you start doing things, right? So I started moving these totes and I'm bringing them to these reconditioners. Well, these reconditioners weren't my customer. My customer is a third party. So I've got shippers and I've got receivers that know who I am. I'm building this rapport with them because I'm calling them every time I've got the pickup and I'm calling them every time to deliver. So it was just natural. One day I started talking to my contact. She's physically in Cleveland. She's got a location in Fontana, California, and she sounds frustrated because I've talked to her enough. I can read people over the phone. And I'm like, hey, why you sound so pissed? She goes, man, I'm trying to pick up this load going to Paso Robles, California. I'm like, oh, okay. And she's like, I, I, none of my guys can find a truck. I'm like, mind if I take a crack at it? She goes, you find me a truck, you got the load. And I'm like, boom. So I made some calls. I got just crazy aggressive on the phone, found a truck that wanted to go to Paso Robles, California. Called her back, gave her the rate. She's like, done. And that was it. And I'm like, wait a minute. If I did that with her and I'm delivering to like five other of these reconditioners, let me try that trick again. And I kept just, I asked each one individually, hey, do you, what are you doing? You're not living off of this business. So what else are you doing? All the reconditioners became my customers. Mm. Spiderweb. I mean, you watch a spider build a web, right? He right. starts in the core and he just goes out, right? Just one string at a time. And that's what I did. I just made one call at a time and I just expanded it. I mean, hell, I uh, I turned, I turned a custom, <laughs> I turned a customer for my first brokerage, who closed up shop, reopened after an equity company bought him out. I got back in with that company, friended up a very difficult to deal transportation manager. She was tough as nails, <laughs> but uh, mad respect for her. I there mean, you go. she's not even a U.S. citizen anymore. She went to Iceland. I mean, she's got. <laughs> they kicked her out the country. Man, That's how tough she oh, was. Oh, she is tough. She is tough. <laughs> the perfect place, Iceland. Man, there's uh, Anne Resbenier. If anyone knows who she is, right. they know. She may who be she watching is. this somewhere in Iceland. Maybe. Shout to you, Anne. Yeah, she, <laughs> she's awesome. She was actually my wedding photographer. Okay, cool. Yeah, so she's a photographer now uh, by profession. And but through a series of of events, I got in touch with the public warehouse and started moving beer. Mm. You know, just from that one connection, it spiderwebbed into moving. I was moving seven loads a day of beer from a New Jersey distribution warehouse to Philadelphia. Philly loves her Corona. <laughs> they Let me do. Tell you, I, moved, I moved seven loads a day of beer every business day. Wow. Back to back. How, to much, back. how much beer is that? Seven loads? Uh, it's about 1,700 cases. 1,700 Each cases. case has uh, two or two 12 packs, something like that. It's a lot of damn beer. It's a lot of beer, man. This wow. this, this country likes their beer. <laughs> and that's just Corona. I mean, that, that's not even talking like all the other domestics that yeah. are out there it, doing what, more. What, what year was this that you, you were doing that? Uh, that was uh, years like four through four through six, four through seven at BTB. Four through seven BTB. Yeah. Also, my previous brokers where I learned. Okay. Locked them down. It got you. And, and at that time at BTB, what were you guys around in terms of size? Uh, we were probably about Seven employees. Seven employees. Yeah, about seven employees. Okay, so kind of like the infancy stages, kind of building. Yeah. yeah. 
So how did we get from seven employees in that size to 60 million? What were like the, what were the steps that you guys took to start, to start growing a business? You know, you just, when you start feeling a little pressured and start feeling a little overworked, you bring somebody in, you bring it up, <laughs> you know, you find good help. Yeah. You find good help, right? That's what it is. I mean, there's, there's a book I read. I recommend it to everybody. I don't know the author, but it's who, not how. Google the book, everybody who's looking for that. And so that's what it was. You know, we started just me and my partner. Our phone system, I jokingly say, and it's not a joke, it's true. You know, press one for customers, two for dispatch, three for accounting. It rang the same two damn phones. It doesn't matter. We acted as if. And then when it was time, we started putting people at those extensions that weren't us. <laughs> right. But, you know, we hired a person, got busier, hired a person. And it's just rinse and repeat is what it is. Get comfortable you know, build that foundation and get comfortable so you don't make any, you know, crazy moves. And just, you know, we did it safe. You know, I didn't do it super aggressive. You know, it's just get rich slow is what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. Got you. So one of the main challenges that people or one of the things that people are afraid of when they, you know, start thinking about becoming a freight broker and so forth is like cold calling, getting on the phones. And when I listen to you guys, it's like, that's what everybody's pushing. Yeah. You got to get on the phones. You got to get on the phones, right? So how obviously it's important, but can you just speak to that a little bit? Because it seems like that's all I hear. Yeah. Get on the phones, pound the phones. Like, talk to me about that. So, I mean, that's obviously the usual mentality and approach to it all. Uh, I will say that, you know, again, going back to my, I'm very fortunate. I had a pretty good network going into this, right? So I was a customer. I understood the mentality. I was a broker just doing broker admin things and operations things. So I learned people. I met people. So it, there wasn't a lot of cold calling per se for me. But, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of people just want to take it personal. They can't. They're going to be told no. But if if you go and do things like, you know, sales coaching, people can teach you how to deal with that a little better, you know, ed get some edge, you know, invest in education in yourself to get better at those cold calls. It's going to have to happen unless you have a network. And at the end of the day, I always challenge people to really look at their phone, look at through all their contacts. I, I am willing to almost guarantee anyone can look at their phone and find some kind of contact with some kind of transportation in, you know, one of my largest customers still to this day, I got from a poker game. Really? Kid you not. <laughs> okay. My friend's ex-brother-in-law, we all played poker together, right? Home games. So one night I'm like, well, wait a minute, you, you work over there? He's like, yeah. I'm like, I used to deliver water over there. I go, who do you know in the transportation department? He's like, oh, I'm great friends with Janet. I'm like, hook a brother up. <laughs> For sure. Monday morning, I got a call from Janet. Hey, I'm told you're Robert's friend. You're good people. Here's a, here's a spreadsheet. Fill it out, right? Yeah. So that's the thing. Leverage your network where you can if you want to limit your cold calling. But at the end of the day, if you have not spent any time in this industry and you want to do something in this industry, you're probably going to have to cold call. It's mm -hmm. just the way it is. But again, I encourage you to find a niche. Talk about something that you understand that maybe you're passionate about. So someone came up to me today. She's like, I'm trying to find my niche. Great. What do you do? She's like, well, I'm in like retirement homes and, you know, like nursing care homes. I go, great. I go, you deal with latex gloves? She's like, yeah. I go, so call McKesson. Call, uh, call latex gloves manufacturers and talk about it. You know, just talk about the medical industry of some nature. You understand as an end user what happens. Talk about how you want to try to help them solve any problems that they might have and getting it to that end user. Mm. Like you can speak latex. You can speak nitrile and, you know, any, I forgot all the terms in latex gloves these days, but <laughs> right. you could talk about it. Right. So right. That's, my, that's my thing is find a niche and find something you're passionate about. Got you. 
Are you still working phones at all? Me? Yeah. No, I mean, I'm probably a little bit yeah, past that. Stage. Yeah. So I'm really trying to work on the business now, not in it. Yeah. Uh, trying to do just, you know, big things and get this even blown up bigger. Um, and to be honest, a lot of calls come my way now. Got so, it. But You're I, at that level. I, I'm 24 you, years you paid into this. Your dues. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't want to say that, you know, I deserve it. But, you know, my last three customers I've onboarded, I've onboarded because of my relationships. You know, yeah. I, my buddy is a VP at a wheel distribution company. One of his vendors was having some issues with drayage. He's like, why don't you call Matt? You know, this guy, Matt, friend of mine, he, he seems to know what he's doing. And now the woman flat out told me, I can sleep at night because you're on the job. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's great. You know, so these calls come to me now. Gotcha. But I've paid my dues. Now I can, I, I, you've been in the game for a minute. Let me ask you a question. I'm going to throw, throw something at you real quick. S- sales training. What's, what's, what's probably like the number one or, or give me an ex- objection that people will typically get and how do you get around it? And these days, the, the, the big common ones, you know, I only deal with assets. Um, and the objection to that is what I always ask is, hey, I get it. But sometimes things happen and sometimes your assets aren't there. Like you, there's always a ba- there's always got to be a backup plan. Let me start off being a backup plan. Let me let me help you in your biggest time of need to maybe prove a prove my worth to maybe kind of fit in. You know, I'm not looking to overtake. I'm not looking to kick Schneider out. Just let me fill in when somebody isn't there for you. Mm. So, you know, that's usually a good one for me uh, with the whole I only deal with assets. No one can deal with just assets, in my opinion. You know, <laughs> I don't know every shipper in the in the country, but something tells me that everyone needs a broker in their in their speed dial just in case. Right. Just in case always comes up. Uh, other ones are just uh, my favorite is supplier routed. That's a new one that uh, seems to be pretty common. A lot of people explain that. Expand supplier on that. routed. So if I am, or I'm sorry, customer routed is the is the word. So if I'm calling a distribution warehouse and I say, "Hey, I want to you know ship your stuff," they're like, "Oh, we don't do any of our own shipping. We make the widgets. That's all we do. The customer needs to send us the truck." Now there are customers that do that. I have a customer that does that. Right? They they believe they can buy cheaper than the supplier selling them because they're going to mark up transportation anyways. Right. So I will say, okay, great. But mistakes happen and sometimes the customer puts you on the hook. If you ship the wrong product of widgets, they're not going to pay for that stuff. You are. So now you need to rot the truck. So let me be that guy. So things like that. Um, and the other thing, the, the big one I like to put out there is when they say, hey, I make, uh, I make my supplier ship it to me. Like if I'm like, hey, what do you do with your raw material? I sent, I make my supplier send it to me. Okay, great. You know, they're marking that up like 10, 20%. I mean, I had a customer that used to mark up their rates 25%. I'm like, no, man. I'm like, come on, stop being, <laughs> I had to call the owner one time. I'm like, man, stop being greedy. Like go like 10, 15. And so we, I can start getting the loads because they're like, we're not winning the business. I'm like, well, cause I'm trying to make 12 to 15%. You're trying to make 25%. Right. You know, just to be an admin, like stop being greedy. But at the end of the day, I, I tell them, you know, that supplier's adding money on. So why don't you cut that out? Let me move it. You know, it's going to probably be the same, you know, net rate and I'll have my profit. I'll be fine, but you're going to save money. Yeah. So that's the thing is try to introduce, yeah, you might need to do a little extra work, but you know, you're going to be a hero to your boss when you bring a savings at the end of the year. For sure. For sure. How do you build the relationship with your carriers? Man, treat them right. First and foremost. I mean, I listen to a lot of the people on your show that have assets and, you know, these drivers, they just get banged around and maybe not physically, but mentally, you know. I do a lot of driving these days, moving to the Southeast. Yeah, I do a lot of road trips and stuff. I just see these drivers and it's like, you know, there's just no love for them. And they show up at a warehouse and they don't even have a restroom to use. 
they don't have maybe a vending machine or anything. They can't detach from the trailer to go get some lunch. You know, treat them with some respect, some dignity. I mean, at the end of the day, they're representing us, number one. For sure. So when they're at our customers' docks, if you treat them like garbage and you tried to, you know, pull out every single penny out of their pocket, they're probably not going to be so nice to your shipping manager. You yeah, know, who, for sure. He's going to say, who, who's this dude, Joe? And either one, don't ever send him again, or two, is this the caliber of driver you're sending in? Yeah. You know, so that's the thing. You know, pay him fair and, you know, try to get that repeat business to keep them, you know, on the hook and keep them interested. You know, don't, don't give them that garbage freight. You know, we try, we try as brokers not to chase garbage freight. Got it. What's garbage freight? Lumber. You know, so all you lumber suppliers <laughs> start paying the bills, you know, it, it's lumber and, um, produce now produce can be profitable so don't get me wrong i'm not going to knock produce too much i don't know produce i know it's very picky yeah. and it's very subject to short pays and claims because you know no one's gonna you're gonna buy damaged bananas at the store you know so it, it it's prone to getting a lot of claims but that's what a lot of brokers go for that's like the low-hanging fruit because produce people and lumber people need brokers to keep calling because nobody, it. their freight's pretty inexpensive. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything that could be done to, uh, I guess, uh, make the relationship between uh, brokers and carriers better? Like, is there anything that you see missing? Any opportunities to where you know there could be a better relationship? Maybe more transparency? Is anything there? You know, it's like a chicken and the egg. You know, where, like where did it originally go wrong? I don't know. True. Right. I mean, True. at one time. So, you know, why do drivers sometimes have problems with shippers? You know, it's like because shippers load slow. Well, why did that become a problem? Like, why did the shipper start loading slow? Or better yet, I'll rephrase it. Why did shippers stop going from a staging mentality where the freight was staged up, ready to just jam in the trailer to, to live load. oh, no, no, we'll pick, we'll pick it now that you're here. Yeah. You know, was it that too many drivers started showing up late and not communicating? And then the shipper's like, I can't, this is real estate. You know, like I, I need to put it for the freight that's going to go in a truck sitting in the dock, not the truck that might show up. You know, I don't know. I, I just think, you know, you just got to put your best fa- foot forward, you know, just keep, keep being that guy to get, the drivers to keep calling you back. You're not going to appease every driver. Not every driver likes BTB. I know that. But at the end of the day, if I can treat these drivers really good and attempt to treat all these drivers really good too, hey, these drivers keep coming back. That's great. And these drivers, you know, I'll keep trying to win them over. You know, you can't make everybody happy no matter what. Sometimes things go wrong outside of our control and it just needs to be an understanding that we are trying, but we're at the mercy of the facility. For sure. For so, sure. So, so you said these days you're working on the business, right? Yep. We talked about you guys have two different models. Which one's your favorite? Which one do you prefer <laughs> over the other? Profitability, Profitability, the employee model. Okay. The employee model will always be more profitable to the business owner because I'm keeping 100% of the profit. So I get to do with the 100% of the profit as I need to to make it work. So I do like that. I do like the, you know, the people we're hiring coming on, getting to know them because they're in the office. The agent model, I'm partial to because one, it helps supplement the W-2 model when, you know, if there's a little slowdown in the market, well, their profits do help everything, right? It'll help in any kind of case where I don't have to think about, oh, I, I might have overhired a guy. I need to think about that. The agent model, though, I mean, I got a bunch of entrepreneurs, right? you know, and they all want to grow. And it's been awesome. It's been awesome to see them grow. I mean, all of them, look at the Hudsons. You know, every, everyone that's watching, you know, know, probably knows who Devin and Tia are. For sure. You know, they they came 
because they were told there's some good money to be made in being a freight broker. And we gave them a chance, even though technically they didn't meet our benchmark, which was you need to have a million in sales just to kind of get the, the, the real people versus the ones that say they're going to do it. Right. Now, Devin, of course, is the story of the ones that said they would and did. And did it. Yeah, that's the big thing. So there's a few we've taken some flyers on, Devin being one of them. And that's... You know, I just love to see the growth. I love to see how he's matured in the industry. I like to see the reputation he's built himself. Um, so, and I enjoy having those discussions because those are discussions I can have with business owners. And so I can talk to Devin. Okay, what are you doing? You know, how's that going? How's that look? And it's ownership talk. I love talking to owners and business owners. Most of my network is business owners. For sure. And, and what do you think are the things that made Devin and Tia successful? Like what, what are those, the, 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 the things that you attribute to their success? I mean, aside from just their drive, yeah, you know, I mean, and just their, just they have that natural go getter yeah. killer instinct. Like, was there anything that you see in them that maybe that some people are missing? Like, what makes them top performers? I think they just uh, what I'm seeing these days with people that want to be agents is that they didn't have Plan B. They had, mm. they had Plan A. Plan A was Hudson Freight was going to do something. That's it. End of story. And that's how it was for me. You know, we we're talking pre-show and I didn't have a plan B. I mean, there's always a plan B, right? You can always figure it out if, if, if shit really hits a fan, right? There, there's, <laughs> right. there's always a plan B, right. but plan B is not pretty. Plan B doesn't have fancy cars and a house anymore. <laughs> it, it, it's a whole different lifestyle. That's right. And I think they went into it with no plan B. They said, this has to work because if it doesn't work, our plan B is bad. You know, they're renting, you know, I never saw the residents they were in here in Atlanta, but they're renting a small, modest home, had kids. There is no plan B. It's, this is plan A. Yeah. So the, I think that's what it is. Everyone wants to fall back on their plan B. This broker thing may not work out. Well, it's not going to work out when you go into it like that. Mm. You guys still accepting agents? Absolutely. How do you go? How do you go about that? Is there is there a cap? Or do you just continuously accept agents? Do you is, is there such thing as having too many agents at one time? Tell I would me about that. So yes, there is. You look at a Landstar; they're pretty saturated right now. Right. Uh, with their everyone's got rules of engagement. We're no different. We're not going to have agents fighting over a customer if we've got. A grandfathered agent with ABC Plastics and someone comes in and wants ABC Plastics, it's not. It's probably not going to happen, right? As long as it looks like there's a true relationship going on with the grandfathered agent, it's not going to happen. Um, so there, there is such thing as too many. Uh, but as far as our cap, we, we're still far off on that. I mean, with only 15 agents, agencies, I should say, we've got room to grow. There's plenty of room in this pool of logistics, you know, and all the specialty shipping that most my most of my agents specialize in something versus the other. Mm. It's so unique that after 15 agents, they still have their own little niche. Right. And I don't really have anyone crossing patterns on who they're trying to go after. So there's still room to go, still room to grow. Um, you know, our biggest barrier right now is that to be a standard BTB agent, we do want to see a million dollars in revenue. Okay. We just want to see the real people because at the end of the day, we can't hold your hand as much as, say, Devin can. So for that matter, I say, if you want to be an agent with BTB, go meet, hook up with the Hudsons because they will take anybody because they, will, they can help more in the infant stages. And then when the agent gets their come-ups and they hit their numbers, then they come over. It's a smooth transition because all their customers are already BTB customers. So it's just a matter of switching some coding and some profit sharing and it's boom. They're an agent under BTB, which is their dream. And it's 
easy. Yeah. What are you guys doing to innovate in, your, in BTB? So we keep looking at technology. Uh, I can tell you right now, their TMS, what we're doing is we're investing back into our TMS directly. So okay. which is kind of unheard of. Um, we don't have our own. So what we're doing is we're just helping the owner really update his. He's a super awesome guy. He's got a super great TMS. He's big on the APIs. So for all the tech people out there, <laughs> the APIs allows all these other programs to communicate with the TMS. So it becomes one major operating system that does so much automation because of these APIs. So we keep looking at different ways to automate different processes. We're, and when I say automate, I always like to say, make the human more efficient. We're not looking to replace the human. We're just looking to make them more efficient, mm. you know, and bring a service to the customers, you know, online tracking, online notification, online portals for LTL pricing, things like that. How much has technology brought to the bottom line? The addition of technology, if, if you look at it and say, okay, we've added this, it's impact the bottom line in this way, or has it impacted the bottom line? You know, I always say it's kind of tough to truly genuinely measure it. I can tell you that, you know, we've got what the customer is looking for so we can modify things. And so to that regard, if we don't have that technology, we don't get the customer, right? <laughs> right. So every right. dollar that comes in is uh, ROI at that point. Because the customer is looking it. for certain things. Customers are, yeah. I mean, it's no longer just, hey, I want to move your freight. It's, okay, what else can you bring? What kind of reporting can you bring? What kind of analytics? What kind of exposure do I get? So that's why we do have the online portals. And my one customer that just called me the other day is like, I I'm okay just pricing my own LTL. I just want a discount. I just want some good pricing. And I was able to take care of that. Mm. So now they, you know, they wouldn't have come over necessarily if I didn't have an automation for them to go on and just set up their own loads. Right. Right. Makes sense. And then on the employee side, you said that's where you're more profitable yep. um, and you're building that side as well. That can grow as big as needs to be, right? I could be the next TQL. <laughs> how far, how far off, off are you? From just, uh, well, as far as financially, <laughs> just, just a little, just a little, as far so as geographically, so. I'm in the same building with them actually. <laughs> are you really? Yes. In downtown Knoxville. How is that? You guys like throwing like spitballs at each other? No, like, no, no. You know, I don't even know how many of these kids know me or not. You know, I don't know how many podcasts they watch or whatnot. Yeah. I mean, my face is out there, but uh, no, it's, it's all good. We actually ride in the same elevator bank too. They're on eight. I'm on 16. So okay. I'm a little above. What, what do you look for in employees? Do you hire like collegiate young kids or are you looking for old, old dogs been in the business for a little while? What's so, your strategy? It's ran, it's ran, it's, it's ran a gamut. Uh, I, I got some old dogs. I got some hustlers. Uh, with Knoxville, I'm going to be grabbing some younger talent down there. I'm going to be working with UT. They've got a huge supply chain degree. One of the biggest programs probably in the nation of colleges right now. So I'm working with them and maybe starting an internship program, get kids in there to learn the industry, get paid for an internship. And then if they're ready to jump on board, they're ready to go day one of their graduation. Uh, what I'm really looking for is people that can talk. I, mm. I don't ask those interview questions. What's your five-year plan? I, I, <laughs> I care. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I care. But I don't care right now because you're going to tell me what I want to hear. You know, right. what's your strengths? You're, what's your weaknesses? Right? Yeah. What's your strengths? Okay. Like, <laughs> I, Can we talk? Can you talk to me and carry on a discussion? Because if you're going to go into sales, you're going to have to talk. Free flowing. I mean, at the end of the day, a customer wants to be able to have that loose talk with their, with their rep. You know, I, I, I've grown up with my customers' kids, you know, like their kids and my kids. I, we talk about what they're doing and I'm like, holy cow, like your kid was in high school and now they're having a kid. Like right. it's crazy. I've, I've got these decade long relationships. So can you talk? 
I'll let the, you know, we do assessments at stage two of our interview. We do this assessment and I, I really, you can't really fake those assessments. Mm. So I get an idea then, okay, what's your personality really like? And then I dig into some really hard hitting questions from there, but it really comes down to if you can talk. Got it. Got it. Had that, that mouthpiece. Yeah. How, how's the current market, uh, just impacted business with fuel prices rising, so forth? Ha, has that hit you at all? And talk about that. Yeah. hundred percent. It's been, it's been really weird in 2022, but of course, you know, everyone knows 2020, right? The bottom fell out. Yep. So rates just plummeted, but then it rebounded Went crazy. hard, yep. hard. I mean, something I've never seen in my life and it stayed hard, <laughs> you know, for what? Uh, half of 2020 all of 2021 and then 2022 it's soft and now then the gas went up it's been unique from a broker standpoint because the customers are getting these calls from the mega brokers and other people that are just dropping these rates and i'm like well how's that happening i'm realistic to mpg on a truck like what fuels six bucks a gallon that's pretty much a dollar a mile in fuel so how does this work? And we're trying to fight for every dollar for the driver. But at the same time, it's like, why? Well, I, I got to feed my kids too. Right. So I got to take this freight. I got to talk to you about the rates. And so it's been ebbs and flows. I, I compare to back in the day, it was this low, just undulating curve that went up and down, right? Trucker market, broker market, right? Now it's like mountains. It's like just these peaks that go up. <laughs> like it's short-lived, I think, because of technology. Yeah. I mean, we're a much smaller world now. So the technology has brought it to a point where the demand and the supply can change ours. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. What is uh, B2BTB doing to stand out from the other brokerages out there? So... Our, one of our taglines we don't advertise a lot is big enough to know, small enough to care. And that's the thing. We're, we're, I like that. Yeah, we're just. Who, did you make that up? Yeah, I did. <laughs> um, we, we, we got. Big enough to know, small enough to care. I like that. So we got, we got two taglines actually. So one of them's in our logo. It's called, it says delivering your tomorrow today. Okay. And I got the idea. So. You're a poet, man. Yeah. I didn't, I, and I didn't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, okay. That's a shout out to my dad. He taught me that one. Did he? Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so what happened was when we started the company, it was over a barbecue, right? And when me and my partner said, we're going to do this, right? So we're at his house doing the barbecue and we coming up, we came up with the name. Originally, the name was going to be White Glove Logistics. That was my, that was my name when I was going to start my own company. And then we came up with BTB and I said, oh, we're delivering here tomorrow today. Well, to me, growing up as a Disney kid, that sounds like a... Uh, tagline you'd hear on a ride at Tomorrowland, sure. right? Sure. And I said it in jest to be that way. But I mean, if you think about it, you know, if you make widgets and you're selling it and I can't get your widgets delivered on time to your customer, do you have a tomorrow if I fail to deliver your load today? Because your, your customer is going to buy from somebody else now. Yeah. So we are delivering someone's tomorrow today, which ultimately delivers our tomorrow today. Yeah. Um, but I mean, standing out, I get to ask that a lot. I mean, there's 15,000 plus MC numbers associated with a broker. So it's hard to stand out. Mm. But at the end of the day, I mean, we just, we just have to care. We have to be knowledgeable. We have a pretty diverse customer group. So we know how to handle the OD stuff. We know how to handle the government stuff. We know how to handle partials, LTLs, expedite, hotshots. Somebody knows how to handle it in the office. If I don't, somebody does. When I get these drayage customers, I mean, I got Dr. Dre in my office. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I got Dr. Dre in my office, so I just give it to him. I'm like, okay. Lucas. Dr. Dre. Yeah. 
That's Dr. Where he, Dre handles a Dr. Dreage? There, there's a doc, there's Dr. Dre. That's we just call him Dr. Dre, not Dr. Dreage. But Dre-age. he's a Dreage guy. He's my Dreage guy. Okay. He's also our longest standing employee. Okay. So does yeah. he also make beats? By uh, no. <laughs> I was just wondering. No, no. You got a Dr. Dre. You got to know something. Yeah, he, he, music. He, he knows music, but no, no, <laughs> no. He, he he's a trip. Actually, a little shout out to Lucas. He's having his fourth boy. Okay. He's got four kids. He's got number four on the way. And it's another okay. boy. That family is in for it. Shout to Dr. Dre. Hey, Dr. Dre. That's it. <laughs> any, any any particular uh, vertical you like the best, like niche that you that you favor or that you guys do more of than the other? Is there anything that you kind of that's your specialty? Well, you know, I like me personally, I like the IABCs. You tell, you tell I, about yeah, that. I speak that. Uh, I like food. So if we're talking niches, food. Food is rather recession proof because when times are good, people are eating out. When times are bad, people still need to eat, right? You need to eat to live. <laughs> right. So it's just a matter of what kind of food is selling and who is it selling to. Are you, are you shipping meat or, you know, any kind of poultry to distribution companies like Cisco's and whatnot that are putting it in the restaurants? Or are you shipping bags of chips to the grocery DCs? One or the other, people need to eat. Good times are bad. So I really like food, to be honest with you. Mm. And that's usually what I would try to chase. Got you. I love it. So for a, a broker who's getting started, who's listening to this this video, and they're a newbie, but they want to do what you do, they want to build the next BTB, what advice would you give them? Don't build the next BTB. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I say this to all my agents I interview that want to be an agent, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I say, you know, I didn't know what an agent was when I started BTB. I, that's all I knew. I grew up in the employee model. I started the employee model and a story. Had I known the agent model existed... We wouldn't wouldn't be, have wasted your yeah, time. Yeah, you'd be talking to me as if it was like Devin or so. I'd be, you know, doing my thing as an agent. The agent model is just such a great way to go because when you start, first start off, if you don't have a bag of cash, you're prepaying for loads. You know, good luck having a load in the same lane I do because when the when a trucker looks at my board of an A plus credit and sees that my MC has been around since 2010 and your MC started two months ago. Who's getting that phone call? Right. I'm getting that phone call. That's right. So that's the thing is when you are an agent under a reputable broker, even if it's not me, let's say, if it's if it's a broker with a good credit rating, they're going to get that phone call way more often if they start their own brokerage. Not to mention the expenses involved. I, I would guesstimate that you'd be, you know, the typical broker split with an agent is 70-30 when, you, when you're worth it you'd probably have 25% into expenses to really run it at this caliber that we can run it at. So mm. you're going to kill yourself over 5%. Right, right. Why? You know, I think a lot of people have this idea that if they're their bro- own brokerage with their own MC number, that they're something better than an agent, but an agent's a business owner. Yeah. Devin's a business owner. Every yeah. one of my agents is a business owner. They've got EINs, some have employees, some have subcontractors, but they're all business owners. So they're no different. They're they're not some bottom tier citizen. They're business owners. For sure. For sure. Just do that. Save yourself a lot of headache. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you said you're looking for agents. So who is the 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 agent you're looking for? You said they have the a million dollars book of business. Yep. Right. So you're not taking on any other you're not that that's that's yeah it's, it, it's fixed. That's not changing, right? Yeah. I mean, talk to us if you know, again, we've let people in before. I'm not saying we won't won't do it again, uh-huh. but ideally, you've got a million dollars in gross sales. Okay. And any uh, other re- any other prerequisites? 
you know, I can say all the common things, you know, be honest, be, you know, but at the end of the day, just have some industry knowledge, yeah. you know, just know what you're doing. We're going to let you be alone if you want to be alone, or you can be part of the team if you want to be part of the team. Every year we do a summit, we get together somewhere and the agents can come if they want. They don't have to come if they don't want. And we're going to get together. The ones that do, we try to give them some, you know, content, something to enrich their business as far as something they didn't realize our system did or something coming down the pipeline and they get first grabs at it, whatever it is. But then they network with each other. This last meeting we had in Knoxville so I could show off the new office. Two brand new agents got together and now they're working together. So we got agent one doing her thing, agent two doing, doing her thing, but now they're doing their thing under a different entity, um, you know, with us. Mm. So they're using us as their, you know, catalyst, obviously, but they're working together because this one's got the connections, but this one's got the know-how mm. and it's working. So a lot of synergies. Last question. Yep. Without saying any names, highest, highest grossing agent, not the agent, but number. Sales. Sales. Uh, trend right now is about 22 million. 22 million. Yeah. And what does that agent take home roughly? Uh, several million. About Se- four, I'd say right now. Now you said trend. So is that a median or is that the top? That's the top end. That, well, that's the trend as this year because it's, it's, year. it's, it's this year's activity. So okay. that's the trend as of. I think uh So I'm saying July. I'm saying one agent. One agent. One agent, twenty two million. Yep. And they're taking home several million. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> not uh, bad. That's why I say the, the agent models where it's at. Not would, bad. Yeah. And that's a top performing agent. That's a that's a top performing what, agent. What about your average agent? Um average I'd say is several uh two two to three million, I'd say. Two to three million gross. Gross. Yeah. Take home a couple hundred. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty fair. I mean, I think the majority of our agents are in a six-figure range. Nice. Yeah. I think that's a great place to kind of kind of end it or or kind of bring it around. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that I missed, Matt, that, no. that you wanted to kind of put out there? I think I kind of drilled you for a little bit. I got some good answers out of you. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, I think you nailed it. I mean, we covered the agent program, yeah. the relationships. That's one thing I always like to convey is – you know, there's, you know, your background is heavy on the asset side. So there's not a lot of brokers that get to come out here and just talk about it, you know. And so I, I want to kind of be a voice for the honest brokers out there. They're, we're here. Yeah. You know, there's bad ones. Don't get me wrong. I know there's bad ones, but, you know, there's good ones, too. So I'm hoping to just get some awareness for the good ones, too. I appreciate that, man. And I appreciate you coming on the show. Like I said, it's been a long time. I know. We've been talking behind the scenes for a little bit. And um, I appreciate you, you know, sharing your wisdom with, with the audience. So before we go, you watch the show, you know, we have to do two things. Number one, we have to let everybody know where they can learn more about BTB, business to business logistics and the agent program and the employee program. And then lastly, you have to give us a final thought, which is something entrepreneurial, spiritual. You got to drop a jewel. Let, yeah. Give somebody some, you know, parting wisdom. Uh, for, for our audience. All right. So let's start All with right. where they can connect with you. So connect, uh, website, ship BTB. It's boytomboy.com. Hit up my LinkedIn. It's Matthew Perkins with my face. Uh, for the, those of you watching, um, otherwise M Perkins 
like the restaurant, uh, at shipbtb.com for my email. Drop me a line. I'll get you in touch with my agent coordinator. Uh, usually we go through her. Her name's Nancy, and she will do the interviewing for any prospective agents. And then when everything's looking good, then come back to me and we talk some more about your serious intent on being an agent. So that's how to connect. Um, words of wisdom. So you guys are going to learn something a little new today. I've been kind of working on it for the last few weeks. Uh, you know, with, with social media and everybody out there, Everybody wants to be an agent because they see people like Devin succeeding. They see people like maybe me succeeding. I don't post a lot of my success and like the cars and stuff, but I, everybody wants to get to what I call day two. So I went through a transform, a physical and mental transformation this year. I did a program called 75 hard, lost like 50 pounds, right? And I didn't get there by not completing day one. I completed day one. I completed day two. So my thing to everybody, my, my words of wisdom is you got to finish day one to get to day two. You don't get to get to day two without finishing day one. And too many people never finish day one. Mm. So get out there, finish day one so that you can get to day two. Because day two is a lot of fun. I'm, li- I'm living in day two. That's right. So That's right. You can't cheat the process, man. Nope. If you can't respect that, your whole perspective is whack. Hustle fam, you know what we do around this time. If you smell something, burn this only your desire. Myself, Mr. Matt Perkins from B2BT, BTB, Business to Business Logistics. Man, this is a great one. We are out. If you twisted, confused, or stuck about trucks, don't be dumb. This is the place to come. Truck and hustle.